Number three. Revelation chapter number 3, we began to look this morning at two words, faithful and true. And we said that we're going to look at those for uh, the next four messages this morning, tonight, Wednesday night, Lord willing, and Lord willing, next Sunday morning, faithful and true. This morning we looked in Jeremiah chapter number 42, and tonight we're going to look in Revelation 3. And matter of fact, the last three are going to be in the book of Revelation. That's where we find uh, these two words together. And they are speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. I said this morning, Jeremiah 42 was probably the hardest passage, but this, this is a hard passage too. However, we shouldn't look at it that way. Uh, we, we should look at it as a passage where the Lord Jesus Christ is so desiring to help us, so desiring to come and to commune with the church, with His church. Revelation chapter number 3, we know that in chapters 2 and 3, we have the seven letters to the churches there in Asia. And beginning in verse number 14, we have the last letter, the letter to the church at Laodicea. And let me say this, this passage and and all of these letters to these seven churches have been relevant and helpful to every generation of the local New Testament church. However, the parallel in verses 14 to the end of the chapter, really, there's no denying the parallel in the 21st century church. Uh, The 21st century church is lukewarm and apathetic to a fault. We're we're complacent. Because God, and and here's the thing, because God's been so good to us. God is blessed and we've come to a point of of apathy. And I've mentioned this recently and I've mentioned it because it's been on my mind because I, I heard a message, but I heard a message that was preached at opening revival where Paige goes to school and it was the last night of opening revival and the the evangelist preached a message from Romans chapter 12 verse number 1, a verse we know very well. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And this evangelist, boy, he just he poured through example after example after example of individuals, of Christians who exampled reasonable service, but in our eyes, in the 21st century American church, in our eyes, we look at it as some extraordinary or some spectacular service. And in the Bible, in the Scripture, it's just reasonable. By the way, it's unreasonable for us not to serve that way. It's unreasonable for us not to present our bodies A living sacrifice. God, these hands are yours. These feet are yours. This body is yours. By the way, these ears are yours. God, help me to listen to what's right. God, these eyes are yours. Help me to look at what's right. And we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. But but really, there's such apathy. And and I say that because I, I know it to be true in my own life sometimes. We can become so complacent and so apathetic and we're, we're comfortable and, and God's been good to us and the American church has really suffered very little persecution. And Jesus Christ is coming to this church at Laodicea and He is rebuking them and He is chastening them and He is confronting them and He is challenging them. Not, not because He wants to, to, to smash them and not because He wants to leave them there. But He's coming and He's rebuking because He wants fellowship. Right? We'll read the first part in just a moment, but look at verse number 20. Revelation 3 verse number 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Can you imagine Jesus Christ on the outside of a church knocking at the door? He's not speaking to unsaved people here. He's not speaking to the heathen. He's speaking to the church. And He says, I'm standing outside and I'm knocking. You're doing everything without Me. You're doing everything in your flesh. You don't even think you need Me. And He says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear My voice and open the door. Now I know this passage is preached sometimes for salvation's sake. And and that's fine. I'm not going to argue with someone for preaching it that way. But He's talking to the church. 
Now, I know there are unsaved people in the church as well, but he said, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. And here's the key. And we'll do what? Sup with him. And he with me. He wants to fellowship. He wants to commune. He he wants that intimate. We already have the relationship if we're saved, but he wants that intimate fellowship. Wouldn't it be sad of me as a husband? Look, the relationship was set 27 years ago on June the 15th, 1996. The relationship was set. We were married. Two o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern Standard Time, Elizabeth City, North Carolina. We were married. Wouldn't it be a shame for me being in a relationship, being married to this lady, never communing or supping with her whatsoever? Never spending any time with her, never communicating? Now, communication is an ongoing process, isn't it? Because men and women's minds are different. Hey, sweetie, what you thinking about? Nothing. And here's the truth, ladies, we're really thinking about nothing. That's right. We're just there and sometimes we're just thinking about, thinking about nothing. What are you thinking about? Nothing. How many arguments have been started from that? You're lying to me because you know you're thinking something. No, really not. Not thinking anything. So, communication is an ongoing process, isn't it? But isn't that what we ought to desire? That's what Jesus Christ desires with us. Look at verse 14. And under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. By the way, anybody know? And I know, I know, you, I know some of you do. Anybody know what the, the word, the name Laodicean means? The rights of the people. Oh my. Isn't that the day we live in? The rights of the people. Not what God says, but what I think is right. Not what, as we saw this morning in Jeremiah 42, not what God said is right, not what God gave to the prophet and the prophet gave to you, and you said, I'm not going to listen to that, I'm not going to obey. No, 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 the rights of the people. What, What I think is right. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen. And here we go. The faithful and true Witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Now, by the way, that doesn't mean that Jesus Christ was created by God. That means Jesus Christ was the Creator Himself. Colossians chapter number 1, verse 16. All things were created by Him and for Him. A lot of people take this verse and use it to say that, well, Jesus Christ isn't God because, look, God created Jesus Christ. That's not what it's saying at all. Verse 15, he says, I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. Excuse me, hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And Some of you are already thinking, pastor's going to bear down hard on us tonight. No, no, no. Here's what I want us to see tonight. Jesus Christ is bearing down hard on the Laodicean church because He desires fellowship with them. If Jesus Christ bears down hard on us, it's because He desires for us to be right with Him. He desires for us to fellowship with Him. If my wife bears down hard on me and says, Hey, you need to spend some time with me. We need to talk a little bit. You're giving enough time to all of these different things. You need to spend some time with me. It's not because she desires to be mean to me or to bear down hard on me. It's because she desires fellowship. And that's what's going on in this passage. Verse number 18, he says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. You know, over the past 75 years of Maranatha Baptist Church, there's no doubt that the Lord Jesus Christ has had to bear down on all of us at some point in our lives and say, hey, the fellowship is waning. The fellowship is waxing. And it's, by the way, it's not my fault, Jesus Christ can say. I'm still in the same place I've always been. And he says here in verse number 18, I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed 
And that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke. We saw that in Hebrews 12 just last week. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear, hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear. Do you have an ear tonight? Sure you do. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Take your Bibles real quickly. I want us to to focus on that phrase in verse number 14. The faithful and true witness. And tonight, I I want us to understand what that means for us tonight. From this passage, what does that mean for us? That Jesus Christ is a faithful and true witness. We know what a witness is. We know what a witness does. A witness is someone who sees uh, an event take place and then they testify, they give witness. A, a, A witness is evidence. A witness is proof. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the faithful He's the trustworthy and He is the true witness. Listen, Jesus Christ never perjures Himself. Jesus Christ is always perfectly on point when it comes to being a witness. By the way, hey, real quickly, and this isn't the message tonight, but would you take your Bibles real quickly and we'll come right back to Revelation 3. Would you turn back to 1 John chapter 5? 1 John chapter number 5. By the way, tonight, that's why, that's why we can know without a doubt that we have salvation. Because He's a faithful and true witness. Look at 1 John chapter number 5 with me if you would. 1 John chapter number 5 and verse number 10. The Bible says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. By the way, drop back to verse number 9. It says, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which He hath testified of His Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, God, 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 God is on the, the witness stand, and he gives record and he gives witness of his son and what his son has done, and the fact that his son came to die on the cross to shed his blood so that he can save all of mankind. And the Bible says if a person will listen to that witness and listen to that testimony and walk away and say, I don't believe that. I don't believe that Jesus Christ is enough. I don't believe that Jesus Christ can save me. I don't believe that the blood of Christ is sufficient to cleanse and to cover and to wash away and to forgive all of my sin. The Bible says, He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. And God is not a man that he can lie. Verse number 11, and this is the record in the last part of verse 10. He says, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. And this is the record. Here's the record. That God hath given to us eternal life. Do you believe that God, that Jesus Christ himself is a faithful and true witness? Sure we do. The Bible tells us that. We know that tonight. He's not a God that He can lie. God cannot lie, Titus chapter 1 tells us. And look what He says in verse number 11. This is the record. The record that God gave of His Son. This is the record that God hath given us or to us, what? Eternal life. Eternal. It doesn't matter how you slice and dice it. It doesn't matter. Eternal means eternal. It means forever. The Bible says here that the record that God hath given of His Son, the testimony, the faithful and true witness, the testimony that He's given of His Son is that He has given us eternal life and this life is what? Verse 11. And this life is in who? His Son. He's given us eternal life and that life comes and is received and is given through the Lord Jesus Christ. He that, verse 12, He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life in the, excuse me, and that you may believe On the name of the Son of God. He's not saying that you have to believe again. He's saying that you'll have confidence. That you'll believe that what you placed. That faith that you placed in the name of the Son of God. You can have confidence in it. You can believe in it. Why? Because He's the faithful and true witness. 
So what does that mean for us tonight? And let me say this before we get into Revelation chapter 3. If you're here tonight and you doubt your salvation, God is faithful, God is true. God's record, God's witness of His Son is faithful and it's true. And this is the record that He has given to us eternal life and that life is in His Son. It's not in anything else. You believe God? Is God a liar? No, He's not. Then stop doubting tonight. If you've placed your faith and your trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, stop doubting. If you haven't placed your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, then you need to be saved tonight. Then you need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ tonight for salvation. Revelation chapter 3. Let me give you real quickly. What does this mean for us tonight? That, that Christ is the faithful and true witness. The beginning, by the way, the Bible says He's the Amen. He's the Amen. What does the word amen mean? It means I agree. He is the amen. He is the agreement. By the way, He doesn't need anybody to agree with Him. He he is the agreement. We can amen and we can agree, but even if we don't, it doesn't matter. He's truth. God said it, I believe it, that settled it. I've said this many, many times. It doesn't matter if I believe it or not. God said it, that settles it. Now, I hope I believe it, and I hope you believe it, but whether I believe it, or whether you believe it, or whether this world ever believes it, God said it, just like we saw in Jeremiah 42 through 44 this morning. God said it, that settles it. Because God is the faithful and true witness. What does that mean to us? First of all, this, excuse me, this evening, because Christ is the faithful and true witness, He does three things. Let me give you the first one. Very simply, number one, He chastens. He chastens. Because Christ is the faithful and true witness, He chastens. What does He chasten? What did He chasten in the Laodicean church? In verse number 19, He says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Because Christ is the faithful and true witness, He chastens. God wouldn't be faithful if He didn't chasten His children. Just like I'm not faithful as a dad when I don't chasten my children when they need it. If God didn't chasten His children, He wouldn't be faithful, but He does. Because He is. And the Bible says here, notice in verse number 15. What's the first thing that He chastens? First of all, their works. He says, I know know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, hot, not hot, hot, nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot... I will spew thee out of thy mouth, out of my mouth, excuse me, their works. He chastens, first of all, their works. And again, that's a good thing. Did you catch verse 19? Same thing we looked at last week. As many as I what? Love. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Hey, kids tonight, teenagers tonight, I know it's not always fun when you get rebuked and when you get chastened. But praise God for a mama and a daddy. Praise God for a grandma and a grandpa who rebukes you and chastens you. That is a proof that they love you. That is evidence that they love and care about you. Pastor, have you ever been in my home? I don't know if you'd say that if you lived in my home. No, I would because it means, because the Bible says it's so. And if they rebuke and chasten you according to the Bible, that means they love you. He chastens their works. I believe that we often miss the truth found in these verses here when it speaks about the cold or the hot. There were cold waters in Colossae and hot springs in Hierapolis. And the closer they moved toward Laodicea, the more tepid and the more lukewarm they became. But the closer to the source, the closer to the the cool waters in Colossae and closer to the hot springs in Hierapolis, the closer to the source they were, they were cold or hot. But once they got closer to Laodicea, they all mixed together and they were just lukewarm. Listen, tonight, the truth is tonight, the closer we are to the source, the better we are. Cold water refreshes, doesn't it? Cold water refreshes. Hot water gives you a good shower, doesn't it? Lukewarm you like drinking lukewarm water? Some of you might. If you do, you're weird. You, 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 you're just weird. You either drink cold water when you're hot and you're working outside, 
or you drink, uh-oh, somebody's weird in here, I see it. I see it on somebody's face. You're not weird. <laughs> but that's the truth of these verses. Closer to the source, they were cold or they were hot. They were refreshing or they were preserving or they were cleansing. But the closer they got to Laodicea, and God gives them the illustration here. He said, look, you're, you're not cold. You don't refresh anybody. You're not hot. You're not on fire. You don't help anybody. You don't cleanse anything. You don't do anything for God because you're lukewarm and you're tepid. He chastens their works. He said, I know your works. The closer we are to the source, the more useful we are. Both cold and hot have value. The church at Laodicea was filled with compromise, excuse me, compromisers and capitulators. They were fence straddlers. And, God, and Jesus Christ said, I know your works. The Greek word for spew is the word from which we get our English word, emetic, which is an agent used to induce vomiting. He said, that, that lukewarm, that just I want to spew that out of my mouth because you're not useful. Because Christ is the faithful and true witness. Number one, He chastens He chastens their works. But secondly, He chastens their words. Look what the Bible says there in verse number 17. He says, because thou sayest. He chastens their words. What do they say? He said, because thou sayest. Church at Laodicea. He said, you say, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And Noah's not. By the way, it wasn't wrong that, that they were increased. It wasn't wrong that they were rich. The problem was because they were rich, because they were increased with goods, they had the attitude, I need nothing. I don't need God. Do we forget when we're rich and when we're increased, when God blesses and God blesses your business and God blesses your employment? Do we forget who caused that blessing? Do we forget that? Do we forget when everything is going good? This, this scares me about people sometimes. When everything's going good, and there seems to be, there perceives to be absolutely no problems, no issues. Money in the bank, everybody's healthy, mama's healthy, daddy's healthy, the kids are healthy, everything's going great. And we forget that we need God. Because the devil can come along. And that old flesh, you don't need God. You don't need to be in church. Everything's going great. Why do you need God? And here's what happens. We forget who gave us the health and we forget who gave us the wealth. We forget. And then tragedy strikes and we remember where it all came from. Can I tell you tonight, tragedy doesn't have to strike for us to remember. It shouldn't strike to make us remember. We should remember every day. Every day we wake and we look around and we look at creation and we look around at the blessings that God has bestowed upon us. Psalm 68, 19, we mentioned it a couple times recently. We are in Psalm 68 a couple weeks ago. But in verse number 19 it says, Blessed be the Lord who daily does what? Loadeth us with benefits. They're deeply piled. He daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. Number one, He chastens their works. He chastens their words. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Their words were selfish. Their words were proud. The areas of their pride were riches. Their rights, their reliance, those were the areas of their pride. The Bible says they needed nothing. They didn't need prayer. They didn't need the Holy Spirit. They didn't need holiness. They didn't need God. They didn't need communion. They didn't need fellowship with God. Hey, we're going to get in this thing and we're going to run it. We don't need God. And how many times in our day do we do that in our churches and we run it like a business? A church is not a business. It's not a business. And we run it like a business and hey, oh boy, we've got a good pastor. He's the CEO and boy, we're just running this thing like a business. You know what's going to happen? That business is going to go under. Because it's not about the pastor. It's not about the people in the seats per se. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ who builds His church, not us. And He chastens their works. And He chastens their words. You don't have need of anything. You have everything. Listen, I'm thankful and I'm beyond thankful 
for the giving of God's people. But this is the the most important thing I'm thankful for. Is that even in the midst of the giving of God's people and how blessed we are as a church, materially speaking, financially speaking, however you want to say it, we still understand that we need God. And God help us never to forget that. Well, well, we've got enough money, we, we can just do whatever we want to do. No, we can't. God can take that money tomorrow if He wants to. He can take all that. The Bible says that, that, that money has wings and it will fly away. It can make itself wings in the book of Proverbs and it can just fly away. He chastens their works. He chastens their words. And then finally, He chastens their lack of wisdom. Look again in verse number 17. He says, Because thou sayest, their words, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. I've said this before many times. Please don't, uh, please don't get upset at the repetition. But I remember back in the 70s when I was a little boy in the late 70s. I was a little boy. I remember churches were, were growing and churches were being planted. And most of those churches were, were built or planted in little storefronts. Just little storefronts and you put some metal chairs and... Um, you, you, you'd have to take up an offering to buy offering plates. Because you didn't have anything. You didn't, they didn't have a lot of money. And, and back in the late 1970s, man, no, hardly anybody had a lot of money. Some people did. I don't want to get it. I don't want to get political tonight, but you know who was president in the late 1970s. But it was a bad time. Uh-oh. I better just stick to the Scripture, shouldn't I? I may have just hurt somebody's feelings. They didn't have money. Churches didn't have money. And they had to give and give and sacrifice. Just little storefronts. By the way, very similar to the way Maranatha Baptist Church, the building was built. Cotton was grown. Eggs were sold back in 1948. And people gave and people sacrificed and people gave and people sacrificed and people gave and people sacrificed. A building was built. By the way, this structure right here, it's been remodeled a couple times, but this structure, it's been added onto, but this structure. Why? Because people saw the need. And they, didn't, they weren't increased with goods. They didn't say we have need of nothing. We know that we have need of the God in heaven. But look what he says in verse 17. He says, and knowest not. He chastens their lack of wisdom. And knowest not. You say that you're rich. You say that you're increased with goods. You say that you have need of nothing. But but here's the truth. And you don't even know it about yourself. You can't even see it. And knowest not. Because you're not listening to the Word, because you say you have need of nothing, and you don't even realize that you're wretched, and you're miserable, and you're poor, and you're blind, and you're naked. And we sit in our churches today, sipping our lattes in the auditorium. Hey, I don't care if we have coffee in the Sunday school rooms, but it doesn't need to be in the sanctuary. It doesn't need to be in the sanctuary. And we sip our lattes and our coffees and we come casually to worship and we don't even understand that we're wretched and we're blind and we're poor. You say, Pastor, what's wrong with coffee in the auditorium? This is a place where we come to worship God. Not the place where we come to get a barista to give us a, a, a latte. This is a place of worship. This is a place where we come to sing. This is a, you, you, know what that, you know what that lends itself to? It lends itself to complacency and a casual attitude. And it lends itself to God is no longer high and lifted up. God is just whoever I make Him be. Instead of being high and lifted up as Isaiah saw Him in Isaiah chapter number 6. And we come and we worship Him that way. We come and we listen to the Word of God. We're not worried about what's on our phone. 
We're not worried about the update that we got. I know some of you have to have your phones on during the service because you get emergency calls. I know that. But if that's not you, we ought to turn our phones off when we come in here. We ought to turn it off. For, for one hour, it's okay if we don't get a text message. It's okay if we don't get an update. It's okay. We'll get it when we walk out these doors. Because we're coming here to give our, our minds and give our attention, to give our thoughts, to give our obedience, to give our praise to one person. And that's to the Lord Jesus Christ. He chastens their works. He chastens their words. He chastens their lack of wisdom. Now, by the way, Laodicea, they were renowned for their banking. They were renowned for their textile industry. They were renowned for their, their, their doctors and their medicine. By the way, a reference that we'll see in just a moment. They were renowned for that. And for someone to come along and say you are wretched and you are poor and you are needy, what an affront that would have been to them. Do you know who we are? Do you know how renowned our city is? Do you know how renowned our church members are? Yeah, but you don't look at him as renowned anymore. And you're poor. And you're rich. By the way, if we ever get to that point, God help us. And that's, by the way, that's what this, that's what this passage is all about. That's what every single one of these seven letters is all about. For people to get right with God and do what was right. He commit, by the way, this is the only church that does not get a single commendation. Every other letter, there is a commendation. They're doing something well. They're doing something right, but not the church at Laodicea. And all they get is really condemnation. But in that, it's only because Christ desires fellowship. And that's what He's saying to us today. And that's what occasionally He he has to say to us individually because He desires our fellowship. And He has to knock on our heart's door sometime. He says, hey, where you been? Where you been? I haven't heard from you in a while. Your mama ever call you and get on to you because you haven't called her in a while? Y'all don't have mamas that love you? Mamas and daddies call us sometimes. Hey, where you been? Been busy. Jesus Christ comes and knocks on our hearts, excuse me, our heart's door. Says, hey, I want to come in and sup. I want to come in and fellowship. And sometimes he does have to chase him. But he does it because he has a great desire to fellowship. By the way, let me ask why did God create us? For his pleasure. Revelation 4.11. He created us for his pleasure. How do we please him? Okay, obedience. By faith. But without faith, it is impossible, Hebrews eleven six to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Why did He create us? For His pleasure. How do we please Him? By faith. What is faith? Complete trust, complete dependence upon the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Laodicean church, He says, You say, you're increased with goods, you have need of nothing. And you don't even know that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, spiritually speaking. Number one, because Christ is the faithful and true witness. Number one, He chastens. But number two, He doesn't stop there. He doesn't just chasten us and leave us and we're done. By the way, this is, this is true for your children as well. When you chasten your children and you discipline, it shouldn't stop there. After you chasten, there should be some, number two, there should be some counsel afterward. You chasten, you come in, you sit down, you pray together, you, do, you, 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 you go to the Word of God, you counsel, say, hey, son, do you understand? Sweetie, do you understand? And you give counsel. Jesus Christ comes and He chastens, but in verse number 18, He doesn't stop there. 
He counsels. Because Christ is the faithful and true witness, He chastens, but then He counsels. The Bible says there in verse number 18, I counsel thee. Hey, if you want to know how to fix this, if you want to know how to get this right, I counsel thee. By the way, Proverbs 19, 21, we looked at this verse recently. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the what? The counsel of the Lord, what's it going to do? That shall stand. We saw it this morning. Whose words are going to stand? Mine or theirs? Jesus, the Lord said. There are many devices in a man's heart. Excuse me, a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. What does He counsel them to do? Look what He says. I counsel thee, and here's the first thing, to buy. To buy of me gold tried in the fire. What's He talking about there, Pastor? I believe, and you can disagree with me, but I believe He's talking about the Bible. I believe He's talking about His Word. He said, I want you to buy of me gold tried in the fire. We talked about it this morning. God's Word is what? It's tried and true. It's tried and true. He said, I want you to buy, first of all, He said, He counsels us, first of all, to buy the book. To listen to the Word of God. To buy the gold that's been tried in the fire. Uh, to, to listen to the Word that's been tried over and over and over again. And it's been true, excuse me, proven to be true. He counsels us to buy the book. Secondly, He counsels us to be clothed with consecration. He says there, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. He not only chastens, but He counsels. He counsels us to buy the book, to listen. To listen, to listen, to listen, to listen. He counsels us to be clothed with consecration set apart. And thirdly, He counsels us to anoint. What's, what's the word He uses there? He uses the word, I salve. Look what he says there in the last part of verse 18. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. That balm of Gilead. Again, I believe possibly a reference to the Word of God, that you would anoint your eyes with eye salve so that you can see. Hey, you need to clean. There, there's infection in the eyes. There, 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 there's uh, something in the eyes that's not allowing you to see that which is right. Because he says in verse number 17, and you don't even know, you don't even understand, you don't even see. You've allowed your pride to be so puffed up in your own life, you can't even see what's right. You've listened to the world so much, you can't even see what is right. He said, I counsel thee to anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see, get the... Get the dirt, get the infection, get the filth, whatever is, is hindering our eyesight, get it out. You see, He doesn't just chasten us. He counsels us. He tells us how to get it right. Because that's His desire, right? Hey parents, don't, don't just tell your kids everything that's wrong about them. Tell them how to get it right. We're good at telling them what's wrong. Okay, let's tell them how to, how to do it right. Let's tell them how to get it right. Let's show them how to get it right. Because by the way, if we'll show them, I believe they'll listen many times. Just many times we don't show them. Okay, this is what's wrong, but this is how to get it right. This is what's right. Number one, because Christ is the faithful and true witness, He chastens because He knows what we need, right? He's faithful and true. He chastens. He counsels. He counsels us to buy. He counsels us to clothe. He counsels us to anoint. He counsels us in verse 19 to repent. He says, Be zealous therefore and repent. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Now remember again, he's not talking to the heathen here. He doesn't chasten those who aren't his children. That's Hebrews 12. We just read that last week. He doesn't chasten those who are not His children. He's chastening His children. And that's a good thing. It helps us to see. And He shows us and He proves us His love. He chastens. He counsels. And then thirdly, because He's the faithful and true witness, He comes. He comes. He says in verse number 20, 
Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will do what? I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. He comes. He comes and he sups and he fellowships. He comes. Let me ask just this tonight. When's the last time you sat down with the Lord Jesus Christ? And I'm not, I'm not being irreverent whatsoever, and I'm not making Christ something He's not. But when was the last time you fellowshiped intimately with the Lord Jesus Christ? When you knew His presence was there. When you were in the Word and you were in your supplications and in your prayers and you were having communion and fellowship and the Lord, you, you were listening. You weren't just telling the Lord everything you needed. You were listening to Him. I'm not talking about an audible voice. I'm talking to Him speaking to us through His Word. And we just listened. We read His Word. We read His Word. And then we just listen. We, we study it. We listen for what He's telling us in the Word. We're not, making, we're not putting something there that's not there, but we're actually reading it and listening. When was the last time we did that? When was the last time we actually allowed Him to come in and allowed Him to sup with us and fellowship with us? Isn't the fellowship of good friends, isn't it good? Family. I don't know about the family part, but yeah, the friends is good. Isn't it, isn't it just good? When I'm with my family, I, I don't have to be doing anything grand. I'm just happy to be with my family. Just happy to be with my family. I'm just happy to have their presence. This summer when Paige was at home, I pillowed my head differently than I do now. Because when I pillowed my head, not that I didn't pray for her because she was at home, but now when I pillow my head, I, I don't know. I mean, I know where she's at, but I don't know what's going on. I, I don't know everything. And I pillow my head and I pray. And ask God for His protection on my daughter. And when she's home, I pillow my head with the full assurance that she's there. She's, she's right above us. It's a little bit different. It's different when people are there. And it's different when Jesus Christ is there. And we're fellowshipping and we're supping. Hey, it's great. We can FaceTime and we can call and we can do all that. We don't do a whole lot of that, do we? It's just too busy, but we can do all that. And I'm thankful for that. When we were, when we were in college, we were using the payphone. Payphone, what's that? It's that big old box that hung on the wall and you put a quarter in it. And so I'm thankful for all that, but it's not the same. It's not the same as being present. By the way, watching online is not the same as being here. Live streaming is great, and I'm thankful for it. it it's benefit, but it's not the same as being here. Talking about God, knowing the lingo and knowing the language, and having the, 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 the church vocabulary, it's not the same as actually fellowshipping with Him. And Jesus Christ is crying at the faithful and true witness. Aren't you thankful that He's faithful and true? Because, because of that, He knows what we need. He's trustworthy. His character is trustworthy. His counsel is the truth. We spoke about that this morning. I'm thankful that He is faithful and true because He knows when I get off kilter a little bit and I get off track a little bit and He can come and He can get me back on track. And He does it because He loves me. And he does it because he wants to sup. By the way, in verse 21, he says, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. How do we overcome? How do we overcome? 
Well, we work it up inside of ourselves and we say, well, I'm just going to overcome. I'm going to be an overcomer. No, no, no. First John chapter 5 tells us we overcome. Verse 4, look it up. Read it before you go to bed tonight. We overcome by faith. We overcome by faith. Because Christ is the faithful and true witness. First of all, He chastens. Doesn't leave us there though. He doesn't just give us a spanking and then leave us there. No, then He counsels us. And if we'll listen, He desires to come. And over these past 75 years, I I don't know, probably countless people, the Lord has come and He's had to chasten. There may have even been times as as a church body He's had to chasten. I don't know. But as individuals, there no doubt have been times when He's had to come and chasten. And if we'll listen to that counsel, just let it sink in. Boy, He desires to come. To fellowship and to sup. Dear believer tonight, church family, do you know that? Do you know that fellowship tonight? You say, Pastor, people talk about that, but that's not real. It's real. If it's not real to you tonight, it can be. If you know Christ as Savior tonight and you're not having fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not because it's not real. It's because there's some counsel we need to listen to. It's because the Lord Jesus Christ is He's knocking at the door. And maybe, maybe, maybe He's not knocking at the back door of our church, but maybe He's knocking at your heart's door as a believer tonight. He's saying, hey, where you been? When's the last time you read your Bible? When's the last time you listened to me actually speak to you through my word? Where you been? When's the last time you prayed to me? When's the last time you talked to me? Your your bank account's full. Your refrigerator's full. Your your family, the health is, is pretty good. And because of that, you don't even think you need me anymore. Where you been? God help us tonight. Listen to the counsel if we need to. If we're doing good, praise the Lord, keep doing good. If we're doing right, if we're listening, if we're, if we're communing, keep doing it. But maybe tonight, the Lord's, the Lord's been knocking on your door maybe for a while. Say, hey, where you been? You're my, you're my child. I, I, I'm, every one of us know. You have a child. You, you want to be close to them. Now, maybe sometimes you want to wring their necks. I get that. But you want to be close to them. You've got to be close to them to wring their necks, right? You want to be close to them. Okay, the Heavenly Father is a million times greater than we are as, as earthly parents. He desires it even more. Faithful and true. Faithful and true. You want a, me- a title for the message tonight? Faithful and true, part two. This morning was part one. Faithful and true Witness. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Help us. Father, help us to desire what you desire. You desire fellowship with us. Sometimes you have to chasten. Lord, I'm thankful in the midst of the chastening you counsel us because you desire to come and to sup and to fellowship and to come and and increase and grow us. And Father, I pray that you'll work in our hearts tonight. I, I don't know hearts tonight. I don't. I don't know hearts tonight. But Father, you do, and I pray that we would move if you have knocked on our heart's door tonight. Help us, Lord, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand our feet tonight if you're physically able. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Miss Pam's at the piano. She's going to play. Look, if you need to come, come. Hey, believers, I'm speaking primarily. I don't know your heart. You might not be saved tonight. If you're not saved, you need to come. But I believe I'm looking primarily, and I don't want to give false assurance because I don't know. But I believe I'm looking primarily at believers tonight. Believers, praise God that He's faithful and true. But because He's the faithful and true witness, He never perjures Himself. He is completely spot on, perfectly right in everything He does and says. Then let's listen to Him tonight. When He knocks on the door, of our heart. And he says, hey, where you been? Why, why, why haven't you been listening and reading my word? Why, why have you been praying? Why haven't you been seeking me in prayer and supplications? Let's listen. 
He's faithful and true. Let me tell you what one of the great characteristics of a church that has lasted for 75 years, you know what one of the great characteristics is? Humility. The humility of its people. Like King David. King David wasn't perfect, but he was humble. And when he did wrong, he was always ready to get it right. And when the Lord came and chastened and gave him counsel, he he was ready to get it right because he desired that fellowship with God. If you don't believe that, read the Psalms. David desired that fellowship. Oh, soul, are you weary, the song says. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Miss Pam, Pam will play one more verse. Some still praying. If you need to come, you come. Hey friend, if you're here tonight and if there's any doubt whatsoever about eternity and you're not sure You're not sure if you're really saved. There's doubt there. Would you come tonight? Would you get that settled? Or maybe you're here tonight and you just know. You just know. I've never placed my faith and trust in Christ. I'm trusting in myself. I'm trusting in my good works. I'm trusting in the fact that I've gone to church forever. Amen. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed and uh, we'll go fellowship for a little bit. The same fellowship or very similar, the illustration is there, the fellowship that God desires with us. Um, I thought maybe I might need to read from Acts 10 tonight. Um, The great sheep that Peter saw were not under the dietary laws anymore and bacon is okay. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? It's probably not good for us. It gives us high blood pressure, doesn't it? But uh, moderation, yes, sir. Moderation. <laughs> We're going to go in fellowship and enjoy our time together. I'm going to ask Brother Ted Thatcher to pray for us and dismiss us. And he's going to go ahead and pray for the food as well. But let's give the ladies a little bit of time to get everything set out. And then once it's ready, we will announce. But we're going to go ahead and pray now. And so, Brother Ted, why don't you dismiss us tonight uh, in prayer and pray for the food as well.